PCC, what is going on? I'm Elijah. I'm Ellis. And man, what a day. What a day Ooh, it is today. What a day. There are two things. I mean, there's more than two. But there are two <laughs> things we're going to tell you about today that are pretty big deals around here. We'll start with Brian Hughes is back. He is. He has returned from his sabbatical. We're actually going to hear from him today. Start of a new series today mm-hmm. called Give and Take. On the Water was fun. Got a lot to do. We we had a lot of fun there. Uh, shout out to Angie Frame, who's one of the teaching pastors here as well. Midlothian campus pastor, if any of you go to Midlow. Um, she has been like spearheading the summer, basically. Yes. Sort of filling Brian's shoes. And uh, she's done an excellent job. So, anyway... Shout out Angie. Yes. Shout out Angie. Always a good day to shout yeah, out Angie. For sure. Yeah. But Brian is back. We're yes. super excited that he's back. He's, I don't know. You've seen Brian talk. If you've been here before, <laughs> you've seen him talk, I guess, pre-summer, really. It's the last time he spoke. Well, he was on video on the on the Water Series. Yeah. But anyway, he he talks. He, tell you, he likes to talk. I mean, he's a pastor, after all. So he likes to talk, and he's also been off a long time. So he's going to say some stuff today that uh, I've not actually heard yet. But I know that it's going to be awesome because he's been hearing from God and uh, been getting the rest that he needs. So it's going to be awesome. You picked a really great day to be here. Not only for that reason, but can you think of the other thing I'm thinking of? What's the other thing? No, can you think of it? I'm putting you on the spot, bro. You should. I I thought we had covered the two things, to be honest. So I I guess I don't know. No, the shout out to Angie was a a separate honorable mention. Okay. Come on, you so got I this. Think, so I feel like we have three. We have Brian Hughes, we have a yeah. new series, and we have sure. Angie. Shout out Angie. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm stumped. It. You got it. It's the 11th, bro. It's the 11th. Baptism. There it is. Hey, okay. We Baptism got there. is we got today. There. <laughs> yeah. Baptism is today yes. at Westview on the James. We are super excited about this. Um, we're baptizing over 30 people Woo. later this afternoon. If you're watching it on the 11th, if you're watching it live with us, if you're watching this later— we baptized over 30 people <laughs> on the 11th, and uh, it's an excellent day. I know it's going to be awesome when we get there. Some of you we might even see there, which will be excellent. If you're in the area, come on out. You can ask at any time in the chat for directions or more information about baptism. In fact, I might even be, if you're watching this live again, I might even be speaking out of turn, but it's probably not even too late to get baptized. Mm. If you're in the area and you want to be baptized, Reach out to Mark, your campus pastor, in the chat, like I said. We'll get you in because baptism is uh, this a really special day. Um, kind of, It kind of symbolizes pretty much everything we do around here. We want people to, who are far from God to experience the fullest life possible through Jesus. Baptism is people's way of showing that they have decided to do that. So it's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. Uh, I talked about it last week. I got baptized, our September baptism in 2019, and it's— Every year seeing people make that decision, make that commitment, it's just as special every year. So it's going to be a special day. You want to be a part of it if you can. Yeah, absolutely. But if you can't, that's okay. We're, of course, going to continue to do this in the future. So be on the lookout for the next baptism opportunity and whatever Mark's cooking up for, like, online baptism. So some of you, this is your campus. Like, this is your home. This is how you attend PCC. And we ain't forgot about you. Yeah. In fact, we do this for you. That's why we're here. So uh, just talk to Mark if it's something you're interested in, and y'all will have a great conversation and work it out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, we both have Powhatan titles that pop up down here at the beginning, but, like, secretly, we're online campus guys. Don't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah, you know, we're yeah good. don't tell Brian Pope. Shh. I'm supposed to be the assistant campus pastor at Powhatan, but I'm trying to be the assistant campus pastor online. Hey, there you go. Assistant to the assistant 
campus pastor because <laughs> Ellis will be the assistant. Oh, campus all right. Pastor. Yeah. I'll be the assistant okay. to the assistant, and we're just going to office this mess up. You're doing yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're super glad that you're here. As we mentioned, start of a new series, Give and Take. We're launching small groups this fall. We got the baptism. Brian's back. There's just so much, so much happening as we really, truly enter our what we consider our fall season. So go online, go to our events page, find out all about uh, wh- how you can get involved, how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Because, you know, it takes all of us to to pull it off. You watching, people who volunteer here, your chat host, of course, the staff, everybody who, like, actually does something here and participates in this, it takes us to pull it off, but God just graciously uses us. I mean, God could just do all this if he wanted to on his own. He's God, but he invites us into the process and he invites you into being a part of it. So go on our website, pccwire.net, check it out, check out all the things we're doing here because you're invited to every one of them. That's right. And that's just the stuff we're going to tell you about right now. There's more that we're not going to tell you about right now. I'm not even sure when we're allowed to tell you about it. So that's true. We'll just we like to build suspense around here. That's okay? true. So that's true. we'll get there. A little bit of give and take. Hey, right there you go. Yeah, gave you a little bit, but we're not actually going to take anything from you. <laughs> we're just going to give. We're just going to give, and we just want you to be a part of it. Um, we're super excited that you're here. I'm going to pray for us as we uh, go into this service, and uh, and then it'll be time to worship. Yes. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you have done, all you have yet to do, Lord, for uh, just all the amazing things that are happening, most of which, or which will be most well represented as we baptize people today, God. We're so thankful for all that you have done, all you're doing in the lives of people in the online campus and around this area, Lord, and all you have yet to do that we're going to be witness to, that you've invited us to participate in, God. What an honor it is. We thank you. We love you. We want to hear from you today. So would you speak? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Anything Anything for the people before we head in? Hughes is back. New series. You know, it's 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 like a new chapter in yeah. a book. Yeah. So I hope you're excited. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a great day to be here. So all the stuff I already said? Yeah, pretty much. what you got for him? Okay, I, cool. You know, I, yep. I'm the recap guy. Yeah. Just, there you go. Yeah, if you just <laughs> logged in, that's basically all I said. There you go. For six minutes. You're welcome. But yeah. He's got you. <laughs> Anyway, we're glad you're here. Thank you so much. Worship with us. Let's do it. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do. about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live 
generously. We give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. And we are so glad you are here today. Welcome to church. Thank you for joining us for church. We are so excited about this service. Our senior pastor, Brian Hughes, is back to kick off a new series. But before we get there, let's worship God. Let's thank him for all that he does for us, for how he meets us where we are, and how he picks us up when we're lost and puts us on solid ground. Let's go. Wayward 
one word You calm the storm that surrounds me Just one word The darkness has to retreat Yes it must Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven mm. Just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart couldn't help but believe There's nothing that our God can do There's not a mountain that He can move Oh praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Oh yeah Just one word You heal what's broken inside me Yes you do With just one word And you revive every dream Oh yeah, oh my With just one touch I feel the power of heaven Oh, just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart can help but believe, yes There's nothing that our God can do There's not a mountain that He can move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Oh, yes There's nothing that our God can do There's not a prison wall He can't break through Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Oh, there's nothing Absolutely nothing, yeah You cannot do, Jesus I will believe For greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise Let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus Let faith arise, let all agree There's no power like His power There's nothing that our God can do There's not a mountain that He can move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Nothing that our God can do There's not a prison wall 
there is nothing that our God can't do. There is no obstacle in our way that God can't help us overcome. And there's no pain or hurt that can't be healed. And that's why we offer our praise, why we give God our worship. And there's no one who is greater and none more high or lovely. When I felt lost and broken, you never left my side. When I thought sin could hold me, your love restored my life. You never left my side When I thought sin could hold me Your love restored my life Now this I know you love me And there's none more high or love Oh how I've come to love no, there's none more high or lovely. Yeah. When I feel lost and broken, you never leave my side. When sin thought it could hold me, your love. You see me through my scars I'm seeking out your heart, God I want to know you more Jesus, you are Lord I'm seeking out your heart, God You heal my brokenness You see me through my scars I'm seeking out your heart, God
God of all the universe, and still he knows my heart. He knows your heart too. The God who created the whole world knows you and loves you. And we are really glad that you're joining us for church today. I'm Beth Stoddard. I'm the pastor of Creative Arts here. And I want you to know that that last song you heard is a PCC original that debuted on our first album that we released last year. You can find it on whatever streaming platform you use. Search for Passion Community. We hope that our music will help you connect with God through the week. Now, I'm Mark Tapscott. I'm the pastor here at the online campus, and I'm here to serve you. So please let me know what information I can send you about our church, or if there's a way that I could pray for you this week. Just take a minute and submit a welcome card, and I'll be in touch. You know, it's an exciting day for our church. Today is Baptism Day. In a few hours, if you're watching this in real time, all of our campuses will gather in the same location for an outdoor baptism. We will celebrate with dozens of people, kids, students, adults, as they share that Jesus is Lord of their lives. You know, baptism is a wonderful experience. Experience, mm-hmm. and it marks the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Now, that relationship, like all relationships, requires daily investments of time and energy. All of us who follow Jesus should be spending time with Him every day, drawing close to Him through worship and prayer and His Word, the Bible. So beginning bright and early on Monday morning at 7.30 a.m., we can do that together because Daily Worship daily is worship. back for a new semester. You can join us live at 7.30 Eastern, Facebook or YouTube. You can watch it later in the day whenever works for you. Members of our team, me and Mark, will lead us in a couple of songs, a short discussion of a Bible verse or two, and a prayer, and we really hope that you'll join us. Now, last year, we heard from a man who joined us for daily worship every single day, and he was going through a lot of life change. There were health problems that led to job changes that led to moving. It was a lot to handle, and he said that daily worship was his lifeline. Now, when he didn't feel well and he didn't know what was coming next, he knew that five mornings a week he could hop online, see a familiar face, worship with us, and then hear an encouraging word from the Bible. It's what he needed to get up and moving and to keep being a dad and keep being a husband and a son and a friend on days when it would have been easier to stay in bed. Yes, and you made that possible. Your financial contributions help purchase the equipment and support the staff who make that happen. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping people connect with God on days when they need it the most, on the days when they're ready to take on the world, on days when they want to connect with God, but they don't even know how to do it. So if you would like to be part of helping that happen, you can give safely right now on the website. Um, Let's take a minute, Mark. Would you pray for us? Absolutely. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that People are so generous, and they give to this ministry, and they give to you, and you take it and just do beautiful things with it. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for things like daily worship that help us stay connected to you. And we thank you for the story from this man who shared it with us, that it made an impact in his life when he needed it the most. So God, I pray for the folks that will be joining us for daily worship in the weeks to come, that you will speak to them through us, that you will use us as people who will carry your message for you, and that people will respond and connect to you in a new and meaningful way. So God, just thank you for what you're doing and allowing us to be part of it with you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it is kind of a new season around here. We're kicking off a new series today, and we're also kicking off a new semester of small groups. And small groups are designed to help you find your people. And even though... Find your people. Yes, find your people. Even though we're really technologically connected more than ever before, that's hard sometimes. It's really hard to find your people. So let us help you through small groups, and let us help you as you continue to enjoy the rest of this service. Um, If you still haven't found what you're looking for... Sounds familiar. Maybe this next song will be enjoyable to you. Thanks for being here.
Anything. Do you see anything? No, not yet. What? You too, it's my jam. You're the one always shushing us when we're trying to find our people for small crew. Oh. And we still haven't found all those people, dude. That's what you're doing? Yeah. We're still looking. It's not too late to sign up. Oh. You can sign up anytime. Oh, that's awesome. There's so many groups. I can't help y'all. Sorry, I don't. You had an extra pair the whole time. <laughs> awesome. I love some Sunday teaching, but there's nothing like talking about it during small group after the fact, especially when you make snacks daily. Mmm, snacks. Hey, y'all see that? I see something that. Is something moving? I can't tell. What is that? Hang on. It's... I'm gonna get a closer look. No, okay, okay. No cover. It's shiny and round. Is that a bald head? I think, Lindsay, I would know that noggin from anywhere. He's back! He is. It's him? It's Richard, him. do your special call. Hey, you! It's like you didn't even hear it. He looks pretty good. Did he lose, he lose weight? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. What are you going to do? You know what? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get him. I don't think you have to do that. No, we're going to get him. No, man. Are you sure? I'm not taking any chances. He's no, coming he's back. Not, he's not. stay here. No! Well, I've been right here. I mean, well, I was already scheduled well, to come back today. No, no, it's, it's been too long. You've got to go back. Come on. Well, no. it's, I've already, I was already planning on coming back. I'd likely story, but I can't take any chances. You have got they, to be back. They sent you to get me? I, I, that is my Okay. All right. I'm here. Right, right, we got to be right there. Okay, right. I'm here. I got, I got we got it. him. Okay. We got him. All right. I got it. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> well, I am back. I've been gone for so long that that some of you don't know me. So, I'm Brian Hughes. I'm the senior pastor here at PCC, and I am really glad to be with you today. In 2012, as our church approached our 10th birthday, we had not only experienced like miraculous growth and impact, but also at that time, a, a crippling recession and a disastrous building project. So when that was behind us, the church, you, gave me the gift of some time, a sabbatical, and it was life-giving for me. I returned from that with a renewed sense of passion and excitement, and I was equipped with some new tools that I had learned that summer. So fast forward a decade later to 2022, as we approach our 20th birthday here at PCC, another 10 years of miraculous growth and impact, but also a pandemic that made that awful recession of 2009 look more like a footnote. And, and the tragic and painful life meltdown of one of our beloved pastors and one of my closest friends, and, and funeral after funeral of 
people we loved who were taken from us by a deadly virus. The last two years were grueling. The hardest season of my leadership by far that I've experienced. So once again, the church, you gave me the gift of some time. And once again, it was life-giving. You know, every decade of our existence has been defined by divine level blessing that propelled us and energized us and, and by brutal gut-wrenching trials that could have ended us. But through it all, PCC has thrived, even in spite of the potentially fatal forces that came against us. So after all we've been through the first 20 years, I, I can't help but wonder what obstacles, what, what adversities we will reflect on after another decade in our future. And I don't really know. There will be some bad stuff, some hard seasons for sure. But what I'm also sure of is that the church will thrive just like we have until now. And I know it because of something that God showed me this summer that I've been waiting, excited to share with you today. But first, I, I want to just say thank you. Susan and I got back part of our soul this summer. And I return to you today as excited as I've ever been about our church and energized about leading and grateful, just unspeakably grateful to be a part of this miracle that we call PCC. Thank you. And one more note, my, my sabbatical this summer re required your blessing and your support, and it required the very hard work of the entire PCC staff. Everybody here had a part to play and more work to do because of mine and Susan's absence. I'm convinced that there's not a church anywhere with a more talented, dedicated staff than the one who serves you here at PCC. I'm grateful for every one of them. I'm especially Grateful for Angie Frame, who sat in my seat as senior pastor these past three months. One of my most valuable and trusted partners here, Angie did an amazing job. I never had to worry about anything. And I'm just so thankful for her friendship and her leadership and her commitment to our cause. She's a rock star, and we're all blessed to have her. Today, we begin a series called Give and Take. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I'm really excited about it. And, and everybody here, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, well, th this series is going to matter to you in a practical way for how you live your life. L let me explain. The most important relationships in our lives are symbiotic. Th that is, they're interdependent. Each party in the relationship depends on the other. So you bring something of value, and then you get something of value. You, you give something, and you receive something. It's give and take. For example, those of us who are married, we made a sacred vow before God and our friends to each other, right? And it's true that, that in, in a great marriage, there will be some seasons where the contribution is disproportionate, where I'm taking care of her with little return, or she's taking care of me and carrying the lion's share of the burden. But make no mistake about it, over the long arc of time, great marriage only really works if it's give and take. I pledged to love you no matter what, but I also require some pledges from you, things like exclusivity. When it comes to intimacy, I'm not going to share you. That's a deal killer, right? 
And there are other components, but but the point is it's give and take. It's symbiotic. Or you could dial this back to the relationship you have with your employer or employees. You might love your job. I I hope you do. But make no mistake about it, it's, it's give and take over the arc of time. Namely, you give your time and you take a paycheck. And even those of us who might say something like, I love this job so much, I would do it for free, probably can't afford to. The only way that that relationship works is give and take. Now, you could argue that the exception to this rule is parenting. Some of you right now are in the throes of raising young kids, and you might say that all you do is give, 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 and all they do is take, take, take. It's just one-sided. Susan and I got to do some traveling this summer, and we were occasionally in a line with a crowd of people, and there would be some completely exhausted mom or dad with a screaming kid on their shoulders while dragging another fit pitching child with one hand and pushing a third unhappy kid in a stroller. And we'd be watching this happen and I'd lean over to Susan and whisper with a smile, that guy doesn't know it, but his life gets a lot better in 20 years. But in all seriousness, and if you're really in the throes of all that parenting chaos today, listen up because this is going to get good for you. Make no mistake about it. Parenting really is give and take over the long arc of time. My youngest, Joshua, got married this summer. So now all three of our kids are grown and they're all living on their own, which is to say somewhere else, praise the Lord. We got our house back, which brings all kinds of blessings that I just can't talk to you about here, but I'd be glad to discuss them on our next marriage retreat. And... (laughs) And now we have grandkids, which is what they often give you if they survive your parenting. And all kidding aside, I loved being a dad. Raising my kids was a huge blessing. It was not all one-sided. My kids brought me life and fun and joy and energy and even sometimes wisdom. Parenting really is give and take. So here's the question. If we examine the most important relationships, and if we see that they are symbiotic, mutually beneficial, rooted in this idea of give and take, then why do we think our relationship with God is different? See, I I think the church, not not just our church, but but the church, has been tempted to only relay one side of this equation. We've leaned into what you get from God and away from what is demanded by God. And I know demand is a strong word, and that's the point, isn't it? I mean, somewhere we decided that a demand from God isn't nice, and we want God to be nice and gentle and not demanding. So we leaned away from that side and made the relationship all about one side, the side that's all about what we get from God. But for you to experience all the goodness that God wants to give you, you have to understand that God wants some things from you too. And to not grasp this and to not live into this two-way covenant is to reduce God to a genie in a bottle. He requires nothing of you but rubbing the lamp. He pops out, he grants your wish, and you put him away again until the next crisis. But it just doesn't work that way. And you can't experience your best life that way. 
And the Bible is super clear about this. I mean, time and time and time again with person after person and story after story, God says what he's going to do for this person or this group of people and what he wants from them. And the good news is that we can have clarity on this for us too. So today we're going to launch a series that will give us a more complete picture of what God wants to give you, yes, and what he wants from you too. I can't express how important this is, so I hope you won't miss a week of it. Today, we're going to kick off with the thing that God wants to give you, legacy. He wants to give you legacy. I think more about legacy these days as I move into my 50s, and, and I'm not alone. I mean, the older we get, the more we, we start to wonder what we've done that will outlast us. And I'm, I'm not just talking about family lineage. I'm talking about maximizing my time here in order to affect real and lasting change to make people's lives better, to leave this place better than I found it. Jesus was thinking about that too one day, and it led to an encounter that will have everything to do with you and me. Let me show it to you. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, that's his closest followers, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, for those of you who have heard this text before, and, and you might think that you know it, I'm asking you not to check out. Because this story is among the most familiar in the entire Bible to me, but God still showed me something about it this summer that I hadn't seen before, and it affected me, and I think it will affect you too. So try to look at this with fresh eyes. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his, his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Huh. I guess in the pre-social media days, the only way to quantify likes was to ask out loud. Jesus wants to know what people are saying about him, which sounds like insecurity, doesn't it? I mean, do people like me? But if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he's not really after likes or popularity. I mean, after all, Jesus has the power. He's got the power to heal people and to answer their prayers and to free them of their afflictions and to rid them of their pain. Jesus can literally give anything that they want. And who doesn't want that? So being liked is actually an achievable goal for Jesus. Now, if you're him, you just do all the giving they do all the taking, and the liking is kind of a guaranteed outcome, right? But Jesus is interested in more than likes. He's interested in people getting saved and rescued and redeemed and restored and elevated to their fullest status as children of God. And that would require more than popularity. It would require truth, the give and take kind. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? See, the first question Jesus asked, the one where he says, you know, what do people say about me? It's really a setup. And Jesus is kind of famous for doing that. 
That is the question before the real question. It's the question that gets them talking. They don't know what's coming, but once they're relaxed, then the real question comes. So Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they start talking and he says, okay, okay, that's great. That's great. Now, what do you think? What about you? He asks, who do you say that I am? Let's take a time out. When I read the Bible, one of my favorite things to do is to read between the lines, or as Pastor J.D. Greer says, in the blank spaces. I want to put myself inside of the story, and I want to stand there and look around and see if I can understand it from that perspective before I transport it to my perspective. See, before there can be application, there has to be comprehension. And so I try to sit in the text for a minute before I jump to what does this have to do with me? In fact, when I hang out in the story, I usually don't have to jump to personal application. It usually jumps out at me. Or more accurately, when I am faithful in hanging out in here, God shows me something in here. And that's even true for a story that I thought I knew so well I didn't have to read it anymore. I didn't have to hang out with it anymore, but I was wrong. So go back with me. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied. So as I was hanging out in, in this space in the Bible, like a reporter watching it unfold, I noticed something incredible that I had never seen before. Jesus asks the question about who others say he is. Hey, fellas, what, what do people say about me? What are people out there saying? What do people out there believe about me? He asked this of his disciples, 12 of them. And who responded? Who responded? They did. Well, maybe not all of them, but more than one of them, they replied. Maybe they were even talking over each other because their responses came easily and came quickly. They were reporting information that was outside of themselves. It wasn't personal. It was just facts. But when Jesus got to the real question, the response was dramatically different. Well, what about you, though? Who do you say that I am? And when Jesus asks this question, He's still talking to all of them, the same chatty group that was quick to report what everybody else thought, and now they're staring at their shoes. They want to get the right answer. They're just not exactly sure what it is. And so the they that so quickly responded to the first question is silent on the second one. The they that gladly described what others thought couldn't decide what they thought, except for this one guy who was known to speak first and think later but this time, his words required no thought. He had them at the ready because these weren't just words to him. They coursed through him like blood in his veins, running through every inch of who he was. While the rest of the they worked to keep their eyes from making contact with Jesus, this guy focused his eyes on Jesus. Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, Peter answers a simple question with a simple answer. Who do you think I am? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of God. This is a declaration of the identity of Jesus Christ. It is a statement of faith, but it is also so much more than that. It was a life-altering proclamation. And Jesus used this moment to define the ultimate legacy, one that was not just for Peter, but for you and for me. When Jesus said, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, this is really something that Jesus is saying to you and me. And and this is part of what I had not seen before. Jesus refers to the church that he will build, and he's not talking about brick and mortar. He's not referring to a service time or a location or an online address where where you can watch on demand from your living room in your pajamas. He's talking about a movement, a world-changing divine wave that would invite every person to a better life, a more fulfilling life, a life that would ultimately not end in death, but eternity. You want a legacy? There's no legacy with a greater impact than helping the world know and follow Jesus. There's no legacy with a longer shelf life than eternity. So when when Jesus says, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build this ultimate legacy movement, this is really a play on words, because the name Peter, it means rock already. Peter means rock. So he's saying, I tell you that you're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church, but Jesus isn't being cute. He's speaking in code to you and me. Who is the rock? Not just Peter, but those who share the qualities that Peter had. What Jesus was saying that day is this, for my message, for this thing that I'm bringing to the world to have its fullest impact, for the movement I'm creating to reach the zenith of its potential, for the reality of God's love for the world to reach every person in the world, the church must be built on people with the same qualities that Peter had. Three qualities, to be exact, that Peter put on display with his life until his final breath. And this is what I really sensed the Spirit of God showing me this summer. I want to show it to you. Here are the three qualities. Peter had absolute confidence in the reality of Jesus. Absolute confidence in the reality of Jesus. Now look, I know there are people all over our church, at every campus, right now who aren't sure. We built this place for you. We wanted you to be able to come and explore your faith. And I get it if you're not sure. The story of Jesus can be a bit far-fetched. Those of us who are believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus, we would serve him better if we were willing to acknowledge that the Jesus story is a little hard to swallow. In a nutshell... God, the all-powerful one and creator of all things, who needs nothing, set aside his divinity to join humanity so that he could suffer and die to pay for our sin. And then he defeats death, rises from the dead, and lives with us today through his spirit until we join him in paradise. I appreciate that many people struggle to fully accept this as truth. And if that's you, I hope that you'll... Pay attention for the next few minutes and grasp what I'm trying to say, but you need to hang out in this first characteristic. This is your task, deciding who Jesus is. But Peter 
For him, he wasn't just declaring a story he'd heard as a statement of fact, borrowing somebody else's reality. When Jesus declared, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, he wasn't regurgitating something out of a book or, or a lesson from Sunday school or something his grandfather told him. Peter had encountered Jesus. He had walked with him, vetted the stories that he heard. He was personally changed by the Messiah he was now founding his life on. When I was a child, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. My granddaddy didn't just tell me about him. He introduced me to him. And along the journey of my life, these personal experiences with Jesus have become more frequent and more consistent and more profound. Now, here's the truth. I've got doubts about all kinds of things. I am not 100% sure of how God sees many of the questions that you and I might ask about our world today. And I'm not sure I'm right about a bunch of things, but I am a thousand percent sure of this. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he is alive today and he speaks. And until my dying breath, no matter what happens, I will believe it because Jesus changed my life. Those personal encounters with him mean I can never go back. The movement of Jesus that changed the world can change it again when it is built on people who share absolute confidence in the reality of Jesus. But that's not all. Now, Peter also had an absolute commitment to the teachings of Jesus. Now, it's true that Peter sometimes spoke before he thought but he was committed. He committed his life to the teachings of Jesus, not just to know them, but to boldly and faithfully put them into practice. Jesus wants to give you a legacy that really, really matters. And it comes when the teachings of Jesus are not just in our heads or memorized for reciting, but in our very actions, all of our actions. You want to be a part of something that's stronger than the gates of hell itself? It requires that we practice the teachings of Jesus and not just talk about them. I read a book this summer that was hard to read, not because it was complicated, but because it was heartbreaking. Andy Stanley, who I really look up to, he wrote a book called Not In It to Win It, Why Choosing Sides Sidelines the Church. And it's about why the, the Jesus movement is different or supposed to be different. It's about how the church that Jesus founded that day in Matthew 16, against all odds, it pivoted the very trajectory of humanity. All of human history changed because of it. And how Andy Stanley writes how that same movement has kind of lost its way. But he says we can have it again. We can have that kind of legacy-making impact again, but... Doing so will not require political alignment or a new political movement. It will require something far more demanding. It will require us to step back into the original foundation of our faith. It will require us to embrace the new covenant ethic Jesus introduced and illustrated. It will require us to love one another, not just in our hearts. It will require us to love one another on both sides of the political aisle with our words and our deeds and with our social media posts and our responses and our resources and our sermons. 
It will require us to stop sizing people up and writing them off because of their views that are different than our own. To do anything less is to declare through our actions that we are greater than our master. We've protested and boycotted. We've posted and tweeted. We've called people out. We've called people names. We've stereotyped and shamed and blamed. We've taken sides. We've politicized our churches. What if we took a break from all that and tried this? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. The teachings of Jesus are not complicated, but they are costly. They, re they require us to actually behave differently, to behave better, to care, not just with our words, but with our very actions. Peter was absolutely committed to the teachings of Jesus. And that's why he went out of his way to love people who didn't think like him, didn't even believe like him, because that's what Jesus taught. And we're supposed to be like him. And our legacy is dependent on it. So listen, we ought to be known not so much by who we vote for as who we live for. And we ought to be living for Jesus. Let's be like him too. Peter had absolute confidence in the reality of Jesus. He had an absolute commitment to the teachings of Jesus. And finally, he had an absolute conviction about the mission of Jesus. This third component was all about aligning his purpose with Jesus's purpose. I mean, Jesus's declaration is that the movement he founded on Peter will succeed with people who are like Peter, who share this passion for helping every person know the good news of how much God loves them and how far he went to get them. One of the fun things that Susan and I got to do this summer was go to Yellowstone, not the Dutton Ranch, but the actual national park. In fact, over the course of, of a couple of weeks, we, we drove from Glacier National Park in northern Montana to Yellowstone in southern Montana and Wyoming and to Grand Teton, which is also in Wyoming. And all of it was just amazing. All of it was amazing. We, we flew into Bozeman and, and you could take these short hopper flights to the other places, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to drive from place to place so that we could experience it all on the ground, as it were. Now, I didn't just want the touristy guided part. I wanted the backcountry part too, the, the roads less traveled. So we started with three days in Glacier National, and then we headed south in our rental car to Yellowstone. And, and this car isn't my car, so it's somewhat unfamiliar. And, and as you know, if you've been around for a while, I, I like to push the gas tank to see how far I could go. But I don't know this car, and I don't know the area. So um, I'm being cautious. And when I get to about a quarter of a tank, I stop to get gas at this gas station that is the only one I can see anywhere. It's kind of all by itself. And, and I pull into this gas station and there's a line at the pumps and people are standing around. So I get out of my car and, and find out, you know, what's going on here. And it turns out the power is out for some reason and the pumps won't work. So I get back in the car and there are a lot of people. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I get back in the car, I look at Susan and I say, these people are idiots. They're all standing around waiting for the power to come back on. I don't get it. Forget that. I'll just drive until we get to another gas station. How far can it be? 50 miles of total wilderness later, 
after the low fuel light had been on for a while, we came to this deserted intersection. I'm positive that I saw several animal skulls laughing at me as the tumbleweed rolled by. I stopped and I stared in the distance. If I go straight, it says the next town is another 30 miles and we'll never make that. If I turn right, there is what appears to be this small town in the distance. I can barely see it. I say to Susan, we got to go there. So eight miles later, I pull into what appears to be a saloon surrounded by cattle. No kidding. I walk in. There are three wranglers at the bar drinking, and it's high noon. I've got a Yellowstone t-shirt on and a Glacier National ball cap on. I could not have stood out more as a tourist if I had been driving Clark Griswold's station wagon. So I walk up to the bar. They all turn around and look at me. Can any of you guys tell me where the nearest gas station is, I ask? Well, one guy says, you could go that way for a while, or you could go that way and get to Ennis, he says. Which one is closer, I ask. It's obvious that I'm desperate. He says, well, Ennis is closer. How far? Maybe 20 miles. So I get back in the car. I look at Susan as if this will be our parting moment, and I say, we're not going to make it. And I start driving. And it was the strangest drive we've ever taken together. It was a panicked silence. No words, no radio, only sweat soaking the back of my shirt and running down my head. The mailboxes started getting farther and farther apart, and, and I started clocking them so I would know how far I had to walk. Sometimes it was six miles from one to the next. And these weren't houses that were sitting on the road, these are ranches with houses that are miles from the mailbox. And then we get to this mountain that we got to go through where there are no houses at all. And any second now, I'm convinced the car's going to turn off. And I'm in grizzly country, in the mountains, in the wilderness, with no cell phone signal. I got a half a Mountain Dew and a sleeve of Ritz crackers. This is not good. And then finally, in the distance, we could see this gas station rising from the ground like a city set on a hill. I, I swear I heard an angelic choir singing over top of it. We coasted in, and I kissed the pump with my lips. I don't know how we made it, except for this, the blessing of God. We pulled away a few minutes later with a full tank. We were both laughing about it. And then it hit me. This disturbing question that I... I've wrestled with ever since. Am I ever as desperate to help people know the truth about Jesus as I was to find fuel that day? Peter would say that he was. He would say that there was nothing more important to him than that which was most important to Jesus. Helping everybody, everywhere, know how much God loves them and what he did to get them. The legacy that God wants to give you is found in these three characteristics. The future impact of, of this movement that Jesus founded and entrusted to us is found in these three characteristics and your best life possible is found in them too. Absolute confidence in the reality of Jesus. Absolute commitment to the teachings of Jesus and absolute conviction about the mission of Jesus. Would you let me pray with you right now? God, together we 
ask that you renew in us a passion about these things. For those of us who are struggling with faith, God, show yourself, reveal yourself to us so that we can put this to rest and forever for the rest of our days be absolutely convinced about who you are. Help us to live completely into your teachings, not just with our words, but with our actions and especially the way we treat other people. Help us, God, to renew our passion about helping the whole world come to know how good you are and how much you love us. We're trusting you for the days to come, grateful that we get to do it together under the power and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. I've done a follow-up video for you today where we can dig in a little deeper to each of these three realities. And I hope that you'll come back next week as we continue our Give and Take series. Bring a friend. We'll see you then.
Street to the small town, Baba. Everybody in a dark place. Yeah. Crying tears like a river run. No umbrella and you're caught in the rain. Running low on faith. Can I get an amen? This is for when life is coming at ya. Hands up. Here's your anthem. If you're having a hard day, ain't no way you're giving up. With all the negativity, yeah. Don't forget you can shut it off. Try to catch your mind when it runs. Easier said than done. Can I get an amen? This is where my life is coming at ya. Hands up, here's your anthem. If you're having a hard day, ain't no way you're giving up. Beginnings of 